Welcome to Drive Digital Success, your behind-the-scenes podcast about Formula One and the technology driving it. Presented by Chris Medland and Mandy Carter. Powered by IONOS, first-class cloud and IT infrastructure. Hi, I'm Pat Simmons. I'm the Chief Technical Officer of Formula One. And Pat, we're here to talk about the all new cars that will be racing in Formula One this year. And I think the easier question to ask you is what's not changing in 2022 on the cars? Well, probably pedals, seatbelt, steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I think pretty well everything else has changed. But no, seriously, the power unit hasn't changed maybe as much as other things as uh, that's now frozen the internal combustion engine. But of course, we have changed to 10% ethanol in the fuel. So, uh, and that's a fully sustainable ethanol. So that's required some recalibration and some work on the engines. But on the chassis side, pretty well everything has changed. Where would you focus on then in terms of the biggest changes? What are the things that if a fan has seen a, a Formula One car in the past and watched some of last year's races, when they see this year's cars, which are the biggest areas that are going to be like, wow, that's very different? Well, of course, it's the external things that the fans see. And actually, this time, it's the external things that make the difference, I think. So the bodywork, you see lots of differences you know the front wing design the rear wing design totally different dreadful area of furniture in front of the the side pod inlets has been tidied up and then of course the 18 inch wheels and the the bigger tires you know is something that is very visual what's the reason for these changes actually firstly why does formula one change rules anyway why do they not just have one set of rules forever well lots of different reasons i think that if we had never changed rules and i i've got rules going back many years i guess you're wearing a g-suit to drive these cars because you know, the performance would be phenomenal. So every now and then the, the performance gets pegged back. But this was slightly different. The provenance of these regulations goes back to 2017 when Liberty took over the running of the commercial side of Formula One. They decided that they needed to revamp things. You know, it, it got to a stage where we needed a step change. We didn't need to tickle with it. Of course, there been lots of different regulations leading up to that. So the idea was to set up a group under Ross Braun to look at technical regulations and see how we could improve the show. And that's really where it all starts from. Ross asked me to set up that team, which I did starting in 2017. Really what was different, I think, from work that had been done previously is that we had a group of specialists, all XF1 team people. We had a, a reasonable budget. I had a credo, really, that all decisions had to be based on evidence. So rather than this sort of, well, let's make the cars a bit faster, let's make them a bit slower, let's change this, let's change that. What I wanted to do is to have time to do the job properly. We are a small team. If you like competing, and I use that word advisedly, but we're competing against maybe a thousand aerodynamicists in 10 teams. So it's quite a difficult job. Nevertheless, I think that the, the improvements we've made in the car that will enhance the racing, and that's about being able to follow closely, I think even when the teams have developed away from our ideals a little bit, we'll still be left with a car that is significantly better in close racing than the cars we've had for the last 20 years. You mentioned you going up, up against a thousand aerodynamicists. How much input was there from the teams as well as the team that you had put together? Well, there, there was input from the teams. The way teams F1 and the FIA work is we have various working groups. They're called advisory committees these days, but they were called working groups when we started this project. So we, we set up aero working groups. And as we progressed with our research, we talked to the teams about it. We gave them presentations where we were going. We asked their opinions on various things. We got them to 
to do various parts of it and you know any teams that wanted to get involved could get involved and that work was done outside the restrictions they have on developing their current cars so we got some useful input from the teams and you've mentioned aero there that's clearly a, a big aspect of these new rules what's kind of the difference in aerodynamic philosophy between the 2021 car and the 2022 car that's hopefully going to improve racing okay well it comes down to two things really and i guess this really was the driver for the new car was that we wanted the cars to race more closely now when people say well what makes a good race you know you you often hear people say well we want more overtaking reality is and we've done a lot of research into this in the last five years the reality is that overtaking is the end of the battle and it's the battle itself that's actually interesting but if you can't get within three four five car lengths of the car in front of you without losing a lot of performance then you can't have these close battles our philosophy was to really rewrite the regulations to force if you like a set of conditions that allowed the cars to run close together now I said that comes in two areas one is that you want the leading car to have a more benign wake than they currently have you will always get very turbulent air behind the car you know if you're driving to work on a cold morning and you look at the car in front of you and just watch where the water vapor coming out of the exhaust goes you see how turbulent it is even on you know a, a simple road car with a racing car of course far more turbulent in the past the, to get performance the teams have tried to push this turbulence out sideways so you get this very wide wake as well so not only can you not get behind the car you can't even get alongside the disturbed air so the first thing was to try and improve that wake you can't eliminate it it's just improve it and then the second aspect of it was to try and have a car didn't rely on perfect aerodynamics for its performance so when you develop a car you develop it in cfd in a wind tunnel and you develop it assuming very clean conditions you know the air is coming at you straight or at a slight angle but it's, de- it's basically clean air and you develop things that make the car have a lot of downforce under those conditions the minute that air is no longer clean but it's turbulent a lot of these things don't work so well so we wanted to eliminate those sort of things now i mentioned earlier about you know the big changes the, the area where you see a lot of that was the incredibly complex devices that were barge board area the the area in front of the radiator inlets and they were getting more and more complex they work very very well cars by itself but they don't work particularly well when they're getting a lot of turbulent air so we got rid of them and yeah we we worked a lot on controlling this wake and then making sure that the following car behaved well in what was left of it so we then had to develop a lot of new techniques to do that we had to do things that hadn't been done before so there are many ways of doing computational fluid dynamics and that's where we did the majority of our research i hesitate to call it a simple way because all things are relative and you know when you're solving millions of simultaneous equations nothing simple there's a very efficient way that deals with the time average solution that teams use a lot and, and indeed we used a lot it's computationally efficient you can get through a lot of runs and you can get good understanding of what's going on but when you get to these very very turbulent flows you have to look at different techniques and we started using these techniques a lot more now teams tend not to use them because they use up the test restrictions that are imposed on the teams they can only use a certain amount of computing power in each test period 
we don't have those restrictions, so we were able to exploit these much more complex, much more sophisticated simulations. So our sort of gold standard was to run simulations where we had two cars in the simulation, they were separated, flow was fully turbulent, and they were going round a corner. That was a challenge. It sounds like a fun one, though. I mean, you mentioned the team you had. Has Formula One ever done anything like this before, where it's created rules and developed them so sophisticatedly itself? No, it hasn't. And that was the fundamental change in in 2017. In the past, regulation changes had been, well, they're in the gift of the FIA anyway, and and still are. All we can do as Formula One is advise and say, look, you know, this is what we would like to increase the attractiveness of the sport. We are not in a position to write regulations the FIA do that. But we work very closely with the FIA to try and steer things. So no, it had never happened before. There'd been odd sort of working groups. And in fact, in 2007, 2008, I was actually a member of the very small overtaking working group that was myself, late Charlie Whiting, Paddy Lowe and Rory Byrne. And we did some work that, I mean, when I look back at it now, it was it was like a college project. You know, it, it had no funding. It, it was very, very basic. CFD was nothing like it is now. We used using quarter-scale wind tunnel models because there was no wind tunnel big enough to do what we wanted to do. Yeah, it was homework. Well, how much fun has this project then been for you to get your teeth stuck into? It's been brilliant because I spent the last 40 years as a competitor, the last 20 of those as a technical director. And more and more and more, you were getting into managing people rather than engineering. And, And I have a passion for engineering as much as I have a passion for Formula One. So it's really nice to get back into real engineering, really pushing boundaries. So things like these techniques that I was talking about in in CFD, but we're really pushing boundaries in machine learning and things like that. So really seeing what could be done in in the simulation world. Of course, we're backing it up with wind tunnels. We're not naive enough to think that CFD can do everything. So we were doing wind tunnel testing at the Sauber wind tunnel in in Switzerland and we use that tunnel because it's such a big tunnel. We could actually move the model a little bit forward in the wind tunnel and be able to measure the wake a, a long way behind it. We didn't run two cars in the wind tunnel, which we had done in the sort of 2007-2008 experiments, because we didn't actually feel that that was worthwhile. Uh, what we wanted to do is make sure we understood and measured the wake coming off the cars. So uh, we did that in the, this nice big wind tunnel. Now, we've seen a few of the cars already. We've seen what they look like. New season's about to start. How proud are you of the end product and and the work that you've done and what you now have that teams will run this year? Well, I'm very biased. I think cars look attractive. I think they were starting to look a little bit irrelevant before. They were getting so complicated, so fiddly. I appreciate that there is a bunch of our, our very avid fans and very technical fans who really like all those little details, but the cars really were starting to get fussy. And I think the new cars are actually quite attractive. Formula One cars are never going to look very different because everyone iterates towards a solution. In fact, we did a little experiment, got our photographers to take photographs of the cars on the track, exactly the same point on the track. And then we blacked them out so that they were silhouettes. The recognition rate was very poor. And I include myself in that. I wasn't very good at it either. We had technical directors who didn't recognise their own cars. And it didn't surprise me because cars do look similar. Like you said, there are differences in these ones. And yeah, I personally think they look great as well. Are we entering into a new era of Formula One with, with these rules? Yes, is the answer. What what will that era look like? I'm not sure yet. The results we got, the, the downforce that the following car retained in our experiments was absolutely unbelievable. We will not see that level of performance. The, the teams will iterate away from that, I'm sure. If they went 
halfway back, and I don't think they will, but even if they went halfway back, we'd still have a much, much better racing car. I think that having got over the initial cost of making this car, because of course most years you're able to carry some things over, this year you can't, so the teams have had to invest quite heavily in this car. But from here on in, you know, it should be a cheaper car for them. It's a simpler car. It should, you know, should therefore be quicker to make parts, get them on the car and things like that. So we will see that as a new era. If you mean, will we see a change in the order? I'm not sure. In the past, we certainly have seen this from time to time. Of course, we have other things going on. You know, the 18-inch tyres, they are different. We've worked very closely with Pirelli on these to try and get rid of some of the overheating problems and the very narrow temperature working range of the old tyres. So who will handle those better? I don't know. But one thing, of course, is significant is that in the new regulations, successful teams from the past get less time in the wind tunnel and less time CFD than the teams at the back. And that's a little bit of a leveller. Because you, you asked me earlier a little bit about the provenance of these regulations. And we did set some very clear objectives. And of course, I mentioned the one about trying to get cars that can follow more closely. But almost equally as important was we had an ambition of the gap between the front and the back of the grid. Things like the 18-inch tyres, for example, weren't just about thermal aspects. You know, I spent 40 years designing racing cars. I know that one of the very, very difficult things to do is to model a deflected tyre, whether you're in CFD or in the wind tunnel, or indeed trying to take measurements on the track. It's a flexible device. It's moving around everywhere. And you can't eliminate that. But what we wanted to do was to reduce the sensitivity, because if it's a very sensitive area, then the teams that have a lot of resource, the teams that have a lot of resource can really concentrate on those areas to get performance out of it. The teams that don't have that resource have to turn to other things. So we wanted to desensitise it, and the the stiffer sidewall on the 18-inch tyre was part of the reason for doing that, as was some of the things you see around those areas of the in the bodywork. Yeah, when when you say it like that, we've got hopefully a, a closer grid that can then race more closely and maybe in a different order with cars that look fantastic and look very quick still. I mean, we're talking, I think, similar level to performance that they were finishing last year, like in this this year, yeah. a lot of the teams are saying. Predictions is that by the end of the 2022 season, they'll be at 2021 levels. So maybe a little bit slower to start. We have a fair bit of information on the tyres now from the testing that was done on the mule cars last year, but I really want to see exactly where they sit. I think I've got an idea again not numerically but i have an idea where people are sitting aerodynamically so the performance will be good with all those things you mentioned what's not to like i was going to say how excited are you to see it all play out on track yeah really looking forward to it the thing that'll be difficult of course is seeing how good a job we've done on the close following because all the time you're testing thing you try and do is stay away from the other cars so it'll be very interesting when we get to bahrain race for the first time i think we'll really see can the cars really follow closer can't wait to see it. Pat, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. See you at our next pit stop in two weeks. Drive Digital Success, brought to you by Ionos, first class cloud and IT infrastructure. Production by Digital Compact. Presenters are Mandy Carter and Chris Medland. Music and sound design by rafamusic.com. If you've liked this podcast, recommend it to your friends and give us five stars at your favourite podcast provider.